went back to his original call to just affirm that he was in the right place because his ministry would be challenging. His ministry would be discouraging. Uh, as the famous Joseph Scriven, I think that's the guy that just wrote the hymn we sang. Um, and I was just noticed that because he said, we just sang, we should never be discouraged. Did you sing that? And were you, were you a hypocrite when you said it? You know, we should never be discouraged. Haven't you ever been discouraged? You know? And I looked at the guy and said, who wrote this? You know, didn't recognize him. I think it was Joseph Scriven or something. I'm like, come on, did this guy never have? No, he's he probably had to say that to himself. I shouldn't be discouraged. And Jeremiah shouldn't have been discouraged, but he had a heap of reasons to be discouraged. Because his whole life, his whole message, his whole ministry to people he loved was rejected. Nobody, from what we have, nobody responded positively to his message. And you think, you know, by today's terms of what success is, he's a failure. But God would never call him that. In fact, God calls him, God would say, you are faithful because you did what you wanted me, what I wanted you to do. And whether or not, you know, we got what the results you wanted wasn't the issue. The issue was, here's what I want you to do. It's a tough mission. But Judah and the people of Israel need to hear this message. And I'm going to send you. So let's talk about, first of all, Jeremiah is one of what's called the major prophets. Isaiah, there's five books that are considered major prophets, the major prophets. Jeremiah, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, which is actually a smaller book, but was written by Jeremiah, and it's been called an appendix uh, to, to Jeremiah. So it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and of course Lamentations. Those are the, the major prophets. And it's not because they were more important than the other guys, which are the minor prophets. And there's 12 of them. But they were just as important, just as significant, just, they were major, you know, they were, they were faithful prophets to God that were needed, but they're called minor prophets, mainly because when you look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, those four books, I mean, they're, they're, the message that was given to them, it's lengthy, it is voluminous, it is uh, very weighty, very important. And so because of the significance of all the revelations or the oracles that these men received, you know, you look just the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah, they're long books. That's why they're called major. That's it. They're not more important than the other ones. And there's 12 minor prophets. Let me see if I can get them right. Hosea, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Yeah, that's 12. I got it. They were minor prophets, but they were special too. They were faithful to God. And um, by the way, the only reason I know that is because I memorized the books of the Old Testament. You should do that too. And they're all in order. So if you, once you learn, and that really helps when you're listening to a preacher and he says, turn to Zechariah or Hosea. And you're like, where is that? You just go through your mind, just like I did, and you know where it is. So I'll challenge for you by next week to memorize the books of the Old Testament, Okay. All right, now we get to this point now. Or let me back up. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel were all contemporaries. In other words, their lives overlapped 
as far as chronologically, you know, they were kind of alive. Not, they weren't all the same age, but they were alive on the earth around the same time. Isaiah uh, was, he, he ministered and he lived about a hundred years before those three. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Isaiah, his primary message or his message to Israel was, you need to repent and get right with God because judgment is going to come. And so he long ago, decades and decades before, predicted the Babylonian captivity and warned Israel, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. Now Jeremiah, fast forward, now it's that time where God is getting ready to judge Israel. And by the way, three or four times in the Scriptures... Two or three times in the Old Testament, and then it's quoted by Jesus in the New Testament. God says, I sent you to Israel. He says, I sent you the prophets. I sent you these guys so that they could give you my message. And, of course, um, in Jeremiah 7, I think, he, he says, I sent you a prophet. In Second Chronicles, he says, I sent you a prophet. And there it wasn't even one of the prophets that has a book. It was another prophet. But here's the thing. God sends us messengers because He knows what's going to happen. And He warns us if we need a message. He's warning us. And by the way, that's the kind of God we have. He loves us. He cares about us. So while Isaiah prophesied, if you don't repent, judgment's down the road. Jeremiah said, you don't repent, you're going to experience judgment. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, in, with Jeremiah, uh, he told them now that God had kind of lowered the gavel and it was determined, okay, Babylonian captivity. And now Jeremiah had to say, okay, listen, you need to accept this judgment. You need to accept the Babylonian captivity. You need to put yourself under it because it's part of God's chastisement. And, and they struggle with that. They, they, they did not. That's why Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. And by the way, um, when when God, um, you know, when God needed to send a message of harsh judgment to like uh, Ahab and Jezebel, he would. In fact, let me get this. I, I read this awesome quote of. Okay, to the court of Ahab and Jezebel, God had sent a hard-boiled prophet by the name of Elijah. So when, you know, God had a message to give to King Ahab and Jezebel. Were they good people or bad people? Bad people. And so he, and I like the way that, I think this may be J. Vernon McGee or someone said, they sent a hard-boiled prophet like Elijah. And when you read Elijah, it's like, he just lowers the boom. And it's like, we don't know a lot about his person, you know, who he was. But, you know, it was, he was like ready to lower the boom. And he, there was, it doesn't seem to be much emotional involvement. But for the people of Judah the people that God was getting ready to send into captivity, He sent a different message, messenger. He sent Jeremiah, who had a heart. That's why he's called the weeping prophet again. That was one of our messages. He sent someone that had a tender compassion that would be broken by the message that he gave. Remember Proverbs, faith for the wounds of a friend. The hardest thing to do is give a negative message to someone you love and someone that needs to hear it. Because you know, I'm going to risk, you know, there's a very good chance our relationship is going to be severed. Welcome to Jeremiah's life, you know. Uh, And then, of course, Ezekiel and Daniel, we'll talk about them later. They had a a part because they were contemporaries of Jeremiah. 
But we're going to jump in. Three things we want to see. We're going to look at these verbs in verse 4. Again, we already saw that Jeremiah received the oracles of God. Uh, His authority. God spoke to him. Uh, This was not a private interpretation. He's just giving us what God told him. And so it says in verse 2 of Jeremiah 1, To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. Verse 3, It came also in the days of Jehoiakim. In verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me. So these are direct, these are revelations that Jeremiah is getting and he's communicating. And now this one's for him. This one has to do with his call in this verse 5. It's huge. Before I formed thee in the belly. And by the way, that is significant. That tells us the intention of Almighty God and the value of a human life before it is born. This is one of the most pro-life statements ever found in the Word of God. And it's not just true for Jeremiah, that God had intentions. God created him for a purpose. And even before God formed him, God had a plan. And that's the way our God is. No human life conceived in the womb is valueless to God. Life is very special. So so God says to Jeremiah, Hey Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, before you were born, I sanctified you, I set you apart. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now next time we're going to look at uh, um, Jeremiah's response. It's kind of like Moses. Me? <laughs> you want? No, no, I can't do it. But let's look at, and, and let's see this. As I was studying this verse, something came to mind that, that my pastor, Pastor Griffith, had written. I believe he wrote it in the book called Victory Over Trial and Trouble. Excellent book. Uh, I might have an extra copy of it if you need to read a book like that. Um, very helpful book in times of trial. But he, exp- he made this statement with Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. I preached it recently within the last month or two. You remember Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15 where Paul said this to the Corinthians? For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. And Pastor Griffith pointed out, he said, all things are for your sakes. And he made this statement. And I remember him preaching this years ago. And it, it stuck in, in many people in our church. They brought this up to me later. He said, based on this statement, all things are for your sake. And he said this, he th- said, things don't happen to you, things happen for you. That is huge. Do you realize what the implications of that? Because we often look, Christians often say, oh, why is this happening to me? Like we are this victims of this random world that just things happen to us for no purpose. And we're on this, this, oh, this went wrong and this went wrong. And why is this happening to me? When we say that, we are removing the omnipotent hand of God that is working in our life. All things, and if you're a believer committed to to serving God, 
all things work together for good to you. But Ephesians 1 says, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. So he's in charge. And like the Corinthians, you and I have to realize, everything, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Don't forget that. And now that, that absolutely ap- applies to Jeremiah. So three things. We're going to look at each of these verbs as our point. The three verbs in the Hebrew all bring out depth of meaning in Jeremiah's call. And there is no doubt in my mind that as Jeremiah went through ministry all those decades, that he fell back on that. Because he needed to. Because his message was a devastating message to people he loved, and it was not received ever. Imagine that. Here's the three points. And the first, they're based on these three verbs. Point number one, only an omniscient being can know someone before they exist. Only an omniscient being, that's God, can know someone before they exist. Only, number two, only an eternal and sovereign being can plan something for someone before they exist. And that's what God did with Jeremiah. He said, before I created you, I had your plan. I had it all figured out. And I had a special purpose for you. And then thirdly, only an omnipotent being can put it all together for his glory through everyone. That's important. Keep that in mind for yourself. So let's jump in. Uh, Again, verse 5. God says, Before I formed thee in the belly, Jeremiah, I knew thee. Look at the word knew. K-N-E-W. Uh, It is a very important term that speaks of knowing someone intimately. In fact, it is a term that, um, it's a term of personal commitment. And it is, in fact, this very term is used of intimate relations between, say, for example, Adam and Eve. Adam knew his wife. It's that same Hebrew word. It is an intimate knowledge. Um, and it is used of, of God's commitment to Israel in Amos 3.2. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. And it was Yahweh's deep sorrow, God's deep sorrow, that the people of God, that the knowledge of Him was not among His people. In Hosea 4.1, He says... Um, he uses that phrase, that there is no knowledge of God among my people. And that word, it's used when you see it used in the Scriptures, it's, it's a very special knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. And listen to some of these verses. I said Hosea 4.1, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And so God, now now God uses that term for Jeremiah to say, I knew you. I knew you in a very special way, even before I formed thee in the belly. That's an amazing thing. And you know what? Only an omniscient being can know someone before they're even created. I've shared before, and you've heard this ad nauseum, and and please don't roll your eyes, because I want to share this again for another reason. 
but uh, Megan doesn't know this, so I'm sharing this for Megan's, you know, she did not know this, that my wife and I were married for nine years before we had any children. We wanted to have children. We could not, it didn't, I didn't think we could have children. We were happy. I'm just content. And then God blessed us. And so we have now, we have four children and they're grown. They're growing. And man, they're growing taller than me. Not my girls, my boys. <laughs> anyway, I'm, we, remember, we have this memory of, and, and some of you parents may have had this. You know, you remember making a nursery for the first child. You, you, you get the crib and you, you paint the, the room. And, and we did this with all, each kid, each child that we had. When, when my wife got pregnant, we got the nursery ready. And we would just sit there at night on the floor in the nursery and just dream. First of all, we would say, and I remember this so vividly, because it was all an unknown. And I remember we'd be like, okay, who is, is this, who is, who is this, who's going to be in this crib? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? We waited to find out, you know, we were one of them. But we didn't know. And then we thought, well, what are they going to look like as a baby? And I remember everyone I'm contemplating, what are they going to look like as a toddler? And then as a young adult, what are they going to look like? I knew we were going to have a child, and then four of them eventually. And I knew that we would get to know them. They, and we would talk about this. What was their personality going to be like? You know, they're going to be different than one another. And it was, all, it was all an unknown to us. It was all speculation. In fact, we did this so much that my in-laws, I forget whether it was my mother-in-law, father-in-law, or both, they had a name for when we did that. When we just sat there and dreamed and they, they called it sharing the joy. Are you, are you guys sharing the joy? I don't know where that came from, but very appropriate because we were doing that. We were sharing the joy, just dreaming about it. And now here I am, an old man, and I know what they were, and I know who they are, and I know what they look like as toddlers, and I know what they look like as young, young people, and now growing into teens and young adults. I know what they look like. I know what their personalities are. And it's amazing, you know. I remember the wonder. Wonder what it's going to be like. But I did not know. It made it kind of exciting. It was like a special gift. Here's the thing. Long ago, God anticipated Jeremiah, but he knew everything. Unlike us, who it was all a mystery. We just sat there and and wonder, what, what's going to be like? What are they going to be like? That didn't happen with Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was, when, Mrs., when Jeremiah's mom was pregnant with Jeremiah, and even before he was formed in his mom's womb, God knew him in a very special way. He knew everything about Jeremiah. He knew what his personality would be like. He knew it all because he is and only an omniscient God can know that. By the way, when, when your mother was pregnant with you, God knew that. God knew that. And, and in fact, keep in mind, you know, some people say, well, I was an unwanted child. Never with God. I mean, when, God, when you are created, every human being created in the image of God is special. And it is not God's will that any pre-born child be terminated. And I don't say that to, you know, we have ministered to so many ladies that have had abortions and it's, it's a horrible thing, especially when they've come to realize, what have I done? 
And you know what's so great is the mercy of God is all-encompassing. God is so forgiving. And, uh, but I encourage you, if you did have a, a pregnancy and you terminated, or if you lost a child like we did, uh, you're going to see them again in heaven. I'm convinced of that. You're going to see them in heaven. Because that's a life. And so here in Jeremiah, we find that God, um, God knew this. In fact, I believe that's true with all of God's creation. I remember seeing a, a comic cartoon years ago. And it was one of these speculations. It's, it was, I don't know if it was one panel cartoon, but it was profound. I've not forgotten it. And I think there's some truth to it. The first panel, I guess, it, unless it's one of those long ones, but the first scene is a man kind of clenching his fist at God and blaming God. God, why did you allow, why didn't you, why didn't you create someone that would find a cure for cancer? And then he kind of just lists off all these accusations at God. Why didn't you do that? That sounds like many people today, right? Many people that would charge God. Why did you allow this? And I love the response. God responds and says, Oh, I created them, but you aborted them. And, and the thought is, there could have been, very likely, God had planned that somebody was going to find a cure to cancer. But folks, we have slaughtered millions of babies that God had intentions for. So is that out of the picture? Absolutely not. So we better be careful when we point our finger at God and try to blame Him. Uh, he, you know, he created folks with purpose. And every human being has a purpose. You have a purpose. God has created you for a reason. He wants to bring you to Himself to be saved. And then He wants you to walk with Him and discover His purpose in your life. What a blessing that is. And that's the case for Jeremiah. So only an omniscient being can know someone before they are before they even exist. Secondly, we're in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Secondly, only an eternal and sovereign being can plan something for someone before they exist. So not only does God say, before I, form, before, um, I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. In fact, again, verse 5. Before thou camest forth out of thy womb, I sanctified thee. You see that verb? The idea of sanctified is I set you apart. And that, again, is a very important uh, Hebrew word. The root word has the idea of setting something apart for a specific purpose. It's being designated. Like, okay, I call this. You ever been, you know, whatever... You're you're with your siblings or something, and you you you're looking at something. You say, "Okay, I got I got I got first dibs on this." You're calling that. Well, God looked at Jeremiah and said, "I am going to separate him from my purpose. He's mine. I've got something planned for him." And that's very important because Jeremiah would be unique among his peers. He would be, again, someone that would be called to give a negative message. Who wants to be negative? Who wants to be a doom and gloom person? That was Jeremiah's life. Hey, Jeremiah, you're going to get out into history as being called the weeping prophet. No, thank you. No, he, he accepted it. And he preached it faithfully for years. Even though his own message broke his own heart. And it wasn't just like he was saying, this is going to happen to you because he was part of it. 
He had to experience that judgment with God's people. And only an eternal and sovereign God can plan something for someone uh, before they exist. And the word sanctified, uh, again, verse 5, Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. In fact, the word sanctification, this term that is used, is very unique. And it was used of, for example, the vessels that were used in the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, they were very special because they were set apart for God. In fact, there's a phrase that's used in the Old Testament that uh, literally the, these things that were designated for God, like, for example, old clay pots, things like that that were used in the ministry of the temple, uh, they would get old, they would get worn, and, and someone would probably look at them and say, boy, they need to be replaced. And God said, no, they're, they're special. They're sanctified. They're set apart. And the phrase in the Old Testament that is used is holiness unto the Lord. That's, in other words, hey, don't touch that. That belongs to me. That's what God is saying. And that's what God said to Jeremiah. And I imagine, folks, when Jeremiah was going through many dark times, wondering, why won't these people listen? Why won't these people repent? They, they know I'm telling them what's coming. And there's a way they can avoid it, but they won't listen to me. They just reject me. And I don't want them to suffer. I'm sure he had to many times go back to this call and realize that I have been set aside for something special. And here's the way God works. In the New Testament in Corinthians, Paul talks about, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, be ye reconciled to the Lord. Do you know that if you're a child of God, if you've gotten saved, you now have a new purpose in your life. And that is God wants to use you to reach others with the gospel message that you received. And so you are now an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. You can just be whoever you are, wherever you are. If you're a child of God... You now have a special calling. And God wants to use you to tell others about Jesus Christ. Either that, or you're on the other end. And God has put special people in you. If you have yet to be born again, if you have yet to come to Christ, God has put other people in your life, Jeremiah's, to tell you about your need to get saved. If that's you, who are the Jeremiah's in your life? Coworker? Maybe before you got saved, you can think of someone or some people that were the Jeremiah's in your life. They are the people that God put, maybe a coworker that was a Christian, maybe a neighbor, maybe a relative that witnessed to you. They were the Jeremiah's. And I have become keenly aware that we are the Jeremiah's in a lot of people's life. Think of all the people that have walked through our church. All the young people we're praying for that are now adults. All the multitudes of people that have walked through these doors or even heard us online now. And we have been calling them to repentance and salvation. And folks, someday, and, and this Jeremiah, you know, that was, it was necessary to do that. And so, you know, when I think back, I think of so many special, some of the young people that came up in our church 
became very special to me. We used to, when we first started, we used to, we had a big group. We'd, we'd play street hockey together uh, over there at the, um, across from our old building. There was a street, out, outdoor street hockey rink. We had great times and we had a very many precious young people that were playing. And unfortunately, a lot of them now are not even walking with the Lord. And, but I realize, you know what? Whether they realize it or not, we were very significant in their life because we were their Jeremiah's. They were, we were a part of their life. They came to this church. They heard the preaching. They heard the message. Now, they may have rejected it for a time, but as God would tell His prophets many times, whether they will hear, remember Ezekiel, whether they will hear, whether they'll listen, doesn't matter. Don't you disobey me. And here's what God says. I want, when it's all said and done, I want them to know that a prophet hath been among them. In other words, remember God sent them? God's saying, I want them to know. I tried to reach you. I gave you opportunity. And so you pray. Pray for all the people that we have been Jeremiah's to, that have heard the gospel. What a blessing. Isn't it a blessing? I want you to think about that. What an honor that... We can be the Jeremiah's of someone's life who is now in the world going in the wrong direction and yet there's still that memory. You know, as long as young people become middle-aged people, there's still that memory. When they start becoming older people like me, then they start losing that memory. But at least for many years, they're going to remember that we were there and we told them the gospel. So only... An omniscient being can know someone before they exist and only an eternal and sovereign being can plan something for someone before they exist. And now finally, only an omnipotent being can put it all together for His glory through everyone. I want to explain that. This is the third word. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before I I ordained thee to be a prophet. Excuse me, verse 5. Before I... Before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And then thirdly, I ordained thee. So these verbs are huge. They're very important. Each one has deep meaning. And the word ordain speaks of a specific assignment. That God had a particular task for Jeremiah. It it was to the people of Judah and all nations. In fact, at one point, God even says, I've got a message for you to give to all nations. And here's the important thing, that again, Jeremiah would have to go back and remember, you know what? Because he had to, you know, we're not the only age and generation that tends to judge things, judge success by numerical number, by financial prosperity, uh, by positive things. You know, we live in a day like that. Imagine Jeremiah, and it's always been the case with that. Jeremiah's call to reach a people and preach a message for decades that nobody would, they'd all reject. And it was a message of judgment, doom and gloom. He was not a popular, he was not on the evening news. They did not air his program on TV. Of course, they didn't have TV, but you get the idea. He was rejected. You think he struggled with that sometimes? People he loved, giving them a hard message. And never realizing how important Jeremiah was in their life. Oh, they would. 
They would. And again, as we said before, we don't know for sure because this is not in the Bible. So make a distinction with that. But history, sometimes history can be accurate. The scriptures are very accurate. But history tells us that at the end, and we'll get to that eventually in Jeremiah 40, 44, 45, eventually when God's people, uh, the remnant stayed, and then they had to go into Egypt, eventually the very people that he was ministering to for decades, if, if history is correct, stoned Jeremiah to death. And that's how he died. And so, by the world standards, boy, Jeremiah was a loser. By God's standards, Jeremiah was the biggest winner ever. And God's, that was his assignment. He had ordained thee to be a prophet. So I want to remind you that God is in charge. And I go back to, when we, we've quoted this before, remember in Esther, the book of Esther, which is one of the only, there's two books in the Bible that don't ever mention the word God. One of them is Esther. But God is everywhere present in the book of Esther, though his name is not mentioned. You see him behind the scenes. One of the biggest places, if you remember that whole story with Mordecai and how God's working all these circumstances, and Esther's uncle comes to him, comes to her and pleads to her because she's now the queen and has the opportunity to intercede for the Jews. And her husband is kind of a very, he's a very mean person uh, that if she were to just approach it's hard for us to get our mind around this, but back in that day, uh, with royalty and kings, if she went into the king's chamber without being summoned, she could die. And if he held out the scepter, that meant she had permission and she wasn't going to lose her life. Now, you and I, that's a stumbling block to, to many of us, isn't it? You know, but God never said King Ahasuerus was a good guy. But God used him. And so Mordecai makes an appeal to, his, to, to Esther and says, Listen, you need, to, you need to pray fast, and, and, and then Esther realized this too, but I think it was Mordecai who said, he made the statement, um, if you hold your peace at this time, then, then God's going to deliver the Jews some other way, but you and our, your father's house, we're going to die. And then he made this pro- profound statement. He said, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Do you realize what that's communicating? That is Mordecai saying, you know what, there's someone that's pulling the strings. There's, life is not just happenstance, random things that just evolved and there's no purpose. That statement is, is understanding the design that there is an omnipotent and uh, you know, being behind the scenes orchestrating everything. Who knows, maybe you have come to the scene for such a time as this. By the way, now we know. Was that true? Absolutely. 100% true. God raised up Esther, Easter, Esther, and gave her this book. We have this record of how God preserved the Jews so that a Messiah could come. We see the whole picture. She sure didn't, but she had that exhortation from someone who knew that there was someone behind the scenes orchestrating everything, and that's true for you. Remember Corinthians? All th- and remember that statement from, from Dr. Griffith again? Things don't happen to us. Things happen... For us. And I remind you that whatever's going on in our lives, we have got to see the hand of an omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign, eternal God who is in charge 
working all things together after the counsel of his own will, and working all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean we always know what God is doing. In fact, I remind you of that quote that uh, Terry Sinish shared when she lost her precious husband. And she read this devotional one morning, and I just give you this short quote. Um, your theology will only give you only a limited ability to exegete your experience. We talked about that in our Bible study this morning. And, she, and he, he said, there will be moments when you simply don't understand what is going on. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely. If your faith was based on your ability to fully understand your past, present, and future, if our faith was built on that, then your moments of confusion will become moments of weakening faith. But our faith is not built on that. Our faith is not based upon our ability to fully understand our past, present, and future. And Jeremiah certainly didn't. But that's why we walk by faith. That's why we know someone else is in charge and he is a loving, omnipotent, gracious God and he's got a reason for it all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I'm so thankful, Father, that even when we have no idea what you're doing, we still know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And I pray, Father, that you would remind us of these simple truths. That you are in charge, in control. You have figured it all out. We have not and we never will. But Lord, we we gain great insights by coming to know you as you've revealed yourself in your word. And especially as we look at Jeremiah, we're so encouraged, Father, Uh, to be reminded that there is an eternity. And though we are focusing on the small, minute part of Jeremiah's life of living on this earth, we realize that he has been rejoicing in your presence for, uh, for many, many years now and will continue to do so. And Lord, remind us that uh, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with, with the glory which shall be revealed in us when we get to heaven. So Lord, encourage our hearts. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's all stand and we will close in song.